0: this episode of policing matters is brought to you by l3 harris carry confidence with you l3 harris provides ultra reliable portables and mobiles that are designed by and for those on the front lines learn more at l3harris.com welcome back you're listening to policing matters on police one.com i'm your host jim dudley Hey, be sure to check out our video presentations of the Policing Matters podcast on YouTube or on police1.com. Well, the headlines and news reports grab at our hearts when we hear of a school shooting, the dichotomy begins with the debate of having more good guys with guns or the other side of the uh argument, those calling for more gun control. Well, without wading into the politics of the issues, what can we do to protect our children in schools? Well, our guest today is Dr. Dewey Cornell. He is a professor of education and human development at the University of Virginia. He worked as a forensic clinical psychologist evaluating criminal defendants and became concerned about the problem of juvenile homicide in the 1980s. When he joined the faculty at the University of Virginia in 1986, he began a program of research on youth violence prevention and school safety. In the 1990s, he evaluated several young men who committed school shootings, and he worked with the FBI in their study of school shootings. This led him to develop the threat assessment program for schools that we've been disseminating and doing research on for the past two decades. Well, those are on your website. Welcome to Policing Matters, Dr. Dewey Cornell.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, so we've talked to people from the FBI. We've talked to Catherine Schweit. And her book about stopping the shootings, uh, it you know, it's not the usual answer about gun control. It is about other things we could do to help uh, prevent, identify, mitigate, respond. How dangerous are our schools today?
1: Well, uh, certainly school violence is a very serious concern, and it's been devastating to many, many communities. Uh, But I don't want to focus on school violence as though it was something created by schools or specific to schools. We have a general problem with gun violence, with violence in our society. And as anyone in law enforcement knows, uh, when we look at homicide statistics, uh, schools are well down the list of locations for homicides. Most homicides occur in people's homes. Uh, Many occur outside, in public places, in stores. Uh, even restaurants have more homicides than schools. So although I am very concerned about the problem of a homicide in schools and we want to do everything we can to prevent it, we need to recognize that schools are actually a very safe place uh, compared to most other places in our society.
0: Yeah, for sure. It, but in your threat assessment, how how would it differ from your school threat assessment, how would that differ from the threat assessments from other uh, venues?
1: Yeah, well, the location and the population are different. Now, threat assessment always has three phases. It has an identification or reporting phase when someone expresses concern about a potential threat. There's always an evaluation or assessment phase where you determine how serious is this threat. Uh, And then there's a response phase uh, an intervention where you try to manage the threat and reduce the risk of violence. So threat assessment has a number of principles that is uh, cr- that cuts across all settings. But in schools, we're dealing mostly with young people who tend to be less mature, more impulsive. We see a lot of threatening statements that students make uh, impulsively, uh, out of frustration. Uh, and we also know that uh, the young people who get into this kind of trouble, many of them are not doing so well in school, and our job is to help them and help them succeed in school. So uh, I kind of envy my, fo- my friends who do threat assessment in the workplace because they could fire somebody and, and move on. But in schools, we want these kids to stay with us and be successful.
0: Yeah. Right. And just, just as you say, I mean, you know, we talk about brain development, really not occurring to maturation until like age 25. Now, I think there's been a shift. And so we're talking about really young people, um, you know, in, in middle school and high schools and some of the things they say, maybe some of the things they're saying on social media, what's the role of law enforcement in these threat assessments?
1: Well, uh, Law enforcement should be on every threat assessment team. They play a key role. Threat assessment is a multidisciplinary approach that has to use the school administration, the mental health services and student support services and law enforcement. Now we want law enforcement primarily for the most serious cases where there's a criminal act or potential criminal act. uh, But we also want law enforcement to have a different perspective focused on security, on careful analysis of facts uh, and and following the law. Uh, There's a lot of expertise that law enforcement brings to the threat assessment team.
0: Yeah, and when we talk about things like a dichotomy, you have those on the, the side who say they do not want to see a police officer in school at all. And then we see some advocates for school resource officers Uh, We've seen during this defunding era of school resource officer programs being shut out of schools. How valuable are school resource officers to the problem?
1: Well, it's not my opinion that matters on that. It's the students and it's the teachers. And in Virginia, we did a statewide survey of our high schools and we polled over 100,000 students And they overwhelmingly supported having an SRO in their school. Now, most Virginia schools do have SROs, most Virginia high schools. And over 70% said that this SRO made them feel safer at school. And this was across racial ethnic groups. This is a a very high percentage. Uh, We should have asked them if they wanted their principal in the school. I don't know if we would have gotten such a high figure, but over 70%. We also we also surveyed over 15,000 teachers and school staff members and over 80 percent of them supported having an SRO in their school. So I I don't want to discount that there aren't problems, there aren't difficulties, there aren't times when we don't have the right officer or things don't go well. That certainly can be the case. But the big picture is that our students and teachers Uh, want SROs in their school and they benefit from them. And our research has shown that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my experience with SROs has always been a positive one. And the selection of SROs and the guidelines to to let them understand their role to be clear about it and not to uh, sort of cross into those administrative roles that sometimes schools wants them to do.
1: Well, yes, and that you put your finger on a on a serious and ongoing problem is that SROs don't function the same way uh, in all schools, and uh, and in many cases uh, SROs are pressed into enforcing school discipline, student misbehavior. And that becomes a slippery slope if that gets criminalized. And that's where the major concerns have been that in some schools, uh, law enforcement officers may be criminalizing minor student misbehavior. But we know from research that's been done across the country that when school resource officers have a well-defined role uh, that does not include enforcing discipline, uh, but includes counseling, mentoring, being a role model, as well as enforcing the law, uh, in those cases, we don't see those negative effects.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you hit it on the head with the, the just the mere presence and that uh, daily correspondence and, and meeting kids and, and, and the casual conversations with them. If, a, if an SRO were to go into a threat assessment meeting called by a school administrator, teachers present, they talk about something uh, like a student drawing explicit violence in a, in a notebook or something like that. It is nuanced. What should be the officer's response to something like
1: that? Well, in any threat assessment team, we want multiple perspectives. And we want to gather lots of data from multiple sources. So a drawing might be concerning, particularly right after a school shooting, but a drawing by itself is never sufficient to make a decision about the dangerousness of a situation. So we want to know from the counselor, from the teachers, from maybe other students, uh, what has that student been saying and doing? And law enforcement has information. Law enforcement has information from the community. Uh, Law enforcement has access to records. And that information can be quite relevant when we're trying to get a complete picture of what's going on with this young person. Uh, And uh, in many cases, the the threat is not serious. It can be readily resolved. We call it a transient threat. Uh, And there, law enforcement has no special role other uh, other than to know what has happened. It's only when we're dealing with cases where we think there's a potential for an assault, an attack, uh, a deadly weapon, uh, some more serious conflict, then we need to think about possible criminal violations. We need to think about security. Uh, And there we want the law enforcement perspective.
0: Yeah. and, And we often talk about things that happen internal in the schools. Uh, what about external threats? What's your threat assessment um, program look like in yeah. in looking at external influences at yeah. a school?
1: Yeah, so threat assessment can't cover all forms of violence. It's particularly for targeted violence. That is violence that, that a person is planning uh, and, and has likely communicated to other people in some way. They maybe have leaked it. Uh, and we do see threats that come from the community. Uh, maybe maybe a parent, uh, maybe a member of the community, uh, maybe somebody with some other grievances or concerns. Uh, and when those come to our attention, uh, threat assessment is appropriate and in fact, Uh, In those cases, law enforcement plays even a bigger role because often the tools that we have for threat assessment when someone's from outside of the community or someone is an adult uh, are protective orders, no trespass orders, uh, security measures. So law enforcement plays a very important role, particularly when the threat comes from outside the school.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to ask a little bit more on that. Uh, We've seen some school shootings from former students Uh, maybe a former student who actually has a a parent or or a relative who works at the school and and has access. But first, I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor. When seconds matter, count on dependable coverage on and off campus. L3Harris offers flexible and affordable portables. Communicate on the move with Wi-Fi voice and data, GPS, and app-based devices that keep you connected. Schedule your demo today. Learn more at L3Harris.com. And we're back and I'm speaking with Dr. Dewey Cornell, the University of Virginia, talking about prevention and response to school shootings. And so far, we've been talking about the planning aspects. Do you feel that the public school is now uh, opposed to law enforcement involvement in the schools or you think they're more welcoming?
1: Well, I think it varies across the country. Uh, I think we had a wave of concern about law enforcement uh, because of some very high profile and, and really uh, quite troubling, distressing, problematic cases uh, that didn't necessarily involve schools, but they involved law enforcement. And clearly there's a, a movement to reform law enforcement. Uh, but I think uh we have to recognize that law enforcement plays a valuable role in our schools. Uh, as I said before, our studies show that they are actually supported by the people who are in the schools with them. And uh, and, and so I think they can continue to have an important role. Certainly in our threat assessment training, we want law enforcement as a member of the team. And we find that the other members of the team are happy to have them on the team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's so encouraging, the 70%. Uh, acceptance rate or approval rating of of SROs. Uh, In your threat assessments, do you deal with the response at all? And if so, what's the leadership training like in in that aspect?
1: Yeah. So we use that term threat assessment, but it's it's a, a shorthand. It's really threat assessment and management. It's threat assessment and intervention. So Uh, particularly in serious cases, we always have a safety plan. We always want to monitor and follow up. So we may be providing counseling services to those students, academic services, uh, sometimes a change in placement. Now, law enforcement also can be involved in in monitoring and in those cases. And and what we find is that uh, uh, law enforcement accidents such as arrest and charges are actually quite low. Threat assessment actually reduces the likelihood uh, that a student is going to have uh, punitive consequences because we can distinguish the serious threats, the small number of pre- serious threats, from the mostly threats that are that are not serious. So our arrest rates are in the neighborhood of of uh, less than two percent, sometimes less than one percent of the students are arrested. Now, law enforcement might be involved. Uh, they might be, uh, uh, consulting with those students. They may establish a relationship with them. Uh, and they're there as a source of support for other students who might be concerned in the school as well.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's a super low number. And I'm, I'm wondering if it's just the Hawthorne effect or the, the Western electric effect that if we do something, we can, we can alter the, a course.
1: Well, uh, we're providing services to students and we're able to show that they benefit from those services. Now, in terms of the stability of our percentages, we've done research uh, throughout Virginia. Uh, Another group has done research uh, in Colorado. And just recently in the last year, we have done research throughout the state of Florida and we're getting very consistent figures. That is the rates of suspensions are very low, the rates of expulsion are very low and the rates of law enforcement uh, actions such as arrest and court charges and detention are uh, extremely low. So uh, we're seeing it very consistently across really thousands of schools. Mm-hmm.
0: And as a, as a forensic psychologist and, and as a researcher, you talk about uh, uh, assessments of people. How's technology worked into the equation?
1: Well, uh, technology does play an important role. Uh, I think uh, uh, the humans behind the technology are, of course, most important. But we do have kids who are making Internet threats uh, using social media. Now, of course, uh, not only do they make uh, these threats on social media, but then that means we can detect them and investigate them and and get really a better sense of what they're what they're thinking uh what they're thinking is so technology certainly uh plays a role but i don't think there is no substitute uh for a well trained uh understanding capable officer uh or school counselor and and we need need more of them in our schools
0: yeah absolutely and yeah, no school resource officers do so much more than what the title uh, implies now <laughs> a colleague of mine uh and I have debated the issue of arming teachers, and I want to get your sense on that. Uh, we talk about the good guy with a gun to combat the bad guy with the gun. What's your sense of arming teachers in this case?
1: Well, uh, first of all, uh, prevention has to start before the gunman arrives. Uh, we focus way too much on the actual shooting. And it's understandable because it's, it's horrific and, and, and traumatic. Uh, But we can't let our amygdala determine our planning and preparation. And we need to pay a lot more attention to those people before they come to school with a gun, because they give us signs. Uh, They engage in behaviors and make statements that we can respond to. And that's where an officer, a counselor, or a teacher uh, can play a really uh, valuable role. Now, teachers got plenty to do. Let me be clear. I don't think teachers should be armed. Uh, I don't think teachers want to be armed, or at least the vast majority don't. We have plenty for them to do, and the, the amount of training and expertise that it takes to uh, safely use a firearm in a stressful situation—that's uh, just way beyond, I think, what is reasonable. We we can't get our ideas from, you know, from TV shows and movies where everyone is a great shot and and uh, uh, you know does everything perfectly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, that's been part of my argument, too, that, you know, law enforcement officers train regularly with firearms. And everybody knows it's tough to hit a target, much less a moving target in a stressful situation. And yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, there are some who say, well, let's take uh, teachers who are police officers and former military people who have firearms proficiency, and let's at least keep the active shooter guessing on who's who when they get to
1: campus. Well, uh, just because you were an officer or were in the military doesn't mean you still have those skills, uh, and that you can function and carry out those skills in a high-pressure situation. That is extraordinarily difficult, uh, even though we see it a thousand times on the, on the television screen. In, in real life, as, as anyone knows who's been there, it's it's completely different.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, so wrapping up, how can we do a better job with situational awareness of investigating cases where a student begins saying dangerous things on social media, or starts telling friends about actual plans to attack a school? We've seen these things unfold. And sometimes we're a little slow on the draw with investigating. How can we be better
1: well, uh, I think it's important to keep in mind that we have actually prevented more shootings than we've seen. Uh, there are studies showing many cases where a threat was reported, investigated, found to be serious, uh, and, and prevented. So that's really important. It's important that we teach our kids the difference between snitching for personal gain and seeking help to keep somebody from being, being hurt. And uh, we need to have a school climate where people feel supported. There are adults there that they trust. That might be the school resource officer. It might be a school counselor or a teacher. But that they know that there's someone that they can turn to if they have concern. And they also have to know that the school is not operating under a zero tolerance, which says no matter what you do, no matter how serious or not, you're going to be punished to the max and and put out of school. Uh, Students won't report threats under those kinds of of situations. But when they know that uh, a threat really is an indication that a student is having a problem, that they're frustrated. Uh, many of these kids are depressed and withdrawn, uh, and we need to reach out to them uh, long before they show up with the gun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, prevention should be our number one strategy. I agree. Hey, thank you so much. How can our listeners find out what you're writing about these days or, or what what you're doing?
1: Well, uh, our research is conducted at the University of Virginia, and we have a website for the Virginia Youth Violence Project. Uh, We also have a training program separate from the university, and, and I would be happy to entertain questions about that as well.
0: Great. Absolutely. Appreciate the work that you're doing, the continuing work that you're doing in making our school safe.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: You bet. Hey to our listeners, hope you enjoyed Dr. Dewey Cornell from the University of Virginia talking about prevention and response to school shootings. Uh, you can check him out in our show notes and let me know what you think. Drop me a line at policingmatters at police1.com. Matters at police1.com. And again, check us out. We've got uh some archives growing, a dozen or so of our podcasts into YouTubes. And we've got some interesting graphics for you as well. All right. Take good care and stay safe and hope to talk to you again real soon. Uh, I'm Jim Dudley.